Hey everyone, welcome back to the BME Grad Podcast, the podcast for biomedical engineering students and recent grads kicking off the job search process. I'm Allie. And I'm Grace. And today our guest is Erin Graham. She graduated from UNC's BME program in 2016 and is now a project management office lead at Teleflex in Morrisville, North Carolina. We are pumped for this episode. Welcome, Erin, and thanks for agreeing to share your wisdom with us tonight. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. So it's been a minute since we last uh, saw you. We got coffee uh, when we were, Allie and I were juniors. We asked Erin all of our questions for, you know, interning, net- networking, and, and getting jobs. So it's great to see you again. So Erin, you are a PMO lead at Teleflex. Can yeah. you tell us what, what is that? Sure. Yeah, it's a little jargony. Um, So PMO stands for Project Management Office, and it's just a way of structuring and providing some organization for everything to do with project management. And so within Teleflex, we're a medical device company. We've got a number of different business units. That's how we group our products. I work in the respiratory business unit, so we do all sorts of respiratory products everything from nasal cannulas to accessories for ventilators. And my role is to provide some structure for the project teams, help them remove roadblocks and you know, any formal business decisions, make sure that we have the right templates and procedures in place to make smart business decisions and project decisions. It's a little bit of wearing a lot of hats. <laughs> um, other project management offices can get very complex and matrix where you have, you know, a director of project management with managers underneath and, you know, individual project managers kind of in that structure. My business unit is very small. So I am in charge of kind of kind of one, one, one man show doing all of the uh, project management governance for the R&D team. So um, question for you, when you say a project, like what's an example of a project team? You know, you said you manage several project teams. So what's an example of a project team and what kind of a project are they working on? Sure. So we generally break projects into three categories or more that we, you know, diversify out from there, but three primary categories, new products, sustaining projects, and cost improvement projects. So sustaining projects are pretty common, they tend to be, you know, we tend to have the most of those and it's anything from a vendor changing locations for, you know, a component and having to qualify that new site. Um, New products are exactly what you think it would be, right? It's coming up with an idea and taking it from the napkin all the way into, you know, launching it, commercializing it, selling it globally. Um, And then cost improvement, again, kind of straightforward reductions in either the cost of goods for the product or, you know, streamlining product lines, automating the assembly, um, anything to bring down the cost to improve our product margins. And then in terms of who is on project teams, uh, I believe everyone should be at least a little bit familiar with design control, but it's the process by which we ensure that we're making changes to our products in a way that's safe and we're not compromising the integrity of our products. And so a design control team 
kind of what I mean by a project team and someone from quality engineering, R&D, regulatory affairs, product management, so marketing, whole host of people from operations, if it's a product that we internally manufacture, and then a lot of other stakeholders, global counterparts for those departments, um, supply chain, distribution, packaging, or test lab. So there's a core team, but then there's a lot of other people, other functions that we interact with. So would you say that like for your role, you are pretty much responsible like more for the people or for the projects themselves? I would say it's more for the structure of projects. So I am not the project manager on the projects. I help partner with the project managers to make sure that their projects succeed whether that's facilitating meetings with the right stakeholders or, you know, helping them track their budgets, that kind of thing. So it's more, I guess it is a little bit more on the people side, but very much still tied into the technical aspects of the projects. Yeah. It sounds almost like, you know, you have that background to help them plan out their project management, right? Like their time Mm -hmm. versus money versus people, but also like, you're kind of like a coach cheering them on a bit, um, you know, and, and helping them where they're maybe not experienced enough to know like the right move and managing people the right way. Yeah. I like that. I like the coach analogy. So are these, I want to get back to Teleflex a little bit. So you said you're in the respiratory unit. Are these typically like class one medical devices? Like what types, or maybe a couple examples of devices that your department deals in and like what class they are and maybe a little bit about the difference between the different classes of medical devices? Sure. So in respiratory, we've got class one and class two. Class one devices, generally pretty simple things. Oxygen tubing, for example, is a class one device. Piece of PVC tube with two connectors on the end. Um, Needs to push gas from point A to point B. More complex devices, we've got a lot of like aerosol and medication delivery devices, accessories for ventilators like our Neptune heater. We've got, I'm trying to think of some interesting ones that people may have seen. Uh, incentive spirometers are a cool class two device. Um, our product Voldine actually has been, you can see it in the background of Instagram pictures. Any celebrities that get like, um, I think Drew Brees had some lung injury and there was a Voldine in the background of his hospital room where he had like a cute picture with his kids. Carrie what Underwood is, has seen it. Yeah. What does this device do? Yeah. So an incentive spirometer is used generally after abdominal surgery. You don't want to breathe because you're, you feel really like, like painful. Like your lungs don't want to move very far because your rib cage or your abdomen has literally been operated on. And so in order to incentivize you to breathe, fully so your lungs don't de-recruit. It's kind of a training device almost. You can physically see your breath moving afloat within the device. And there are some like markers that you can move up and down to indicate where you should be breathing based on like your size and your pre, uh, pre-operation pre lung volume. And so um, you're then able to see if you're on track. You can take it home after the surgery. Um, so it's kind of a recovery tool after surgeries. And you said that was a class two? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if it's not calibrated right or something, that could cause some some recovery issues. Yeah. Um. So I'm, I bet y'all have really seen a, a surge during COVID given what your unit does. 
Yes. Very busy year. Our, our business unit has had some really incredible you know, teamwork, especially on the supply chain side to make sure that we're able to accurately forecast the huge increases in demand that we see for these literally life-saving medical products, in particular ventilator circuits. So we do not manufacture the ventilators themselves, but a ventilator doesn't work without everything connecting it to the patient. And that's what we do. We do breathing circuits, which is not an electrical circuit. It is just, it's a tube that is able to pass the air from the ventilator to the patient and then the exhale through the expiratory limb back to the ventilator. Um, so we do that, we do filters, we do um, endotracheal tubes, not in my department, but in our anesthesia and emergency medicine department, we do the ET tubes. So anything from the ventilator to the patient, that's what we got. Um, so it's been a very, very busy year, both within our business unit and then just the medical community in general, it's been unprecedented. Yeah. Well, that's really admirable that y'all were able to ramp up so quickly to meet that demand. Um, I'm sure it was intense and a lot of late hours for everybody. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> so getting back a little bit to what your role specifically is, what are some skills for people that might be interested in management? What are some skills that you think would help people succeed to do the role that you're in? I think a project management background definitely helps. And any kind of organizational skills, some companies have very formal project management practices in place, and they may have a, you know, a, a guidebook that literally outlines all of the things that they would like to see from project managers. And then on the flip side, some companies have very flexible rules around what a project manager looks like, what they do. And I think that's where a lot of engineers can really exercise the critical thinking skills, problem solving skills, and just kind of the get it done attitude, right? Like solve problem, um, you know, come up with a solution. So I think the biggest thing aside from organizational skills and just the core project management is kind of the, you know, thinking one step further above the individual tasks, which can be kind of hard for engineers sometimes, um, going from the tactical into the strategic, thinking about not just what a test is going to do, but how does that test impact other projects that are going on? How does it interact with, you know, the products that connect to it? And then how do you kind of communicate information about that, both to your peers and also to leadership teams and to other stakeholders that are really important for, you know, outside of R&D, just making sure a product is successful. I think like when I was a junior slash senior, I was like, oh yeah, I want to do project management, but I didn't really know like what that meant. So if you could like give like a two sentence definition of like what that is, like, what would you say project management is? I think that there's a, a much larger element of managing people. And often it's not through authority. You're not the manager of that person in, you know, their R&D structure, the organizational chart. It's um, more of the influencing without authority, um, which is a huge, important skill that is hard to learn without just going through it and experiencing it, unfortunately. But I think 
at its core, project management is kind of the ownership of your project success, looking out for every, you know, every aspect of it, not just the R&D pieces, but thinking out longer term in the timeline, like, how is this going to, you know, how are we going to interact with um, regulatory bodies, both in the U.S. and internationally, and how does the team prepare effectively to be successful there? How do we make sure that this product can be manufactured effectively? Maybe it's you're not the manufacturing engineer, but it is part of your job to understand and communicate with them to learn that piece of the picture so you can either account for it in your timeline by adding in you know, some buffer in case you need to do something twice, or maybe you increase your budget to be able to do a test at a vendor instead of doing it internally to accelerate your timeline. Well, I think it's how do you bring all of these things together and ultimately have the project succeed? Would you say that there's that any of those skills were taught in the BME course or has it all been in like on the job learning? It's been a little while. <laughs> um, I would say, I mean, anytime that you're on a group project and you are working with teammates to deliver something, whether that's senior design or whether it's, you know, working on a smaller presentation for a class. In essence, you're doing project management work, even though it's not your job or your title. Kind of collaborating with people to get a job done is project management. So I would say a lot of it does end up being experiential. Yeah. And I I think often the R&D engineer will take on some project management responsibilities in the workplace, whether they're formalized or not as a technical leader for the project. And some companies will have a separate project manager in addition to an R&D lead. Um, maybe someone who doesn't have an engineering background, maybe a communications background, or you know has just over the years demonstrated a strong aptitude for project management. So maybe it's not a formal title, but I think there's a lot of the same methodologies and principles that apply to technical leadership on a project of intersect with formal project management. I see. So I noticed on your LinkedIn that you have a PMP certification, which stands for a project management professional certification. Has that been instrumental in your role as a PMO or how has that, how has that affected your career? I got my PMP last year um, and it's something that my company sponsored. I think it's a good theory behind project management best practices toolkits. I think the biggest advantage that it has is common language among project managers. So when I'm talking to others at my company who are also PMP certified, we can use the same phrases and the same, you know, ways of calling different tools, like the strategy behind using things can be uh, a little bit more straightforward if you're all using the same dictionary. Um, So I think that that's been one of the biggest advantages. My department runs with a pretty flexible project management system. Our engineers are most often our project managers. And so a lot of the very rigid structure of project management that's outlined in the PMI methodologies doesn't translate day to day, though it does kind of set some nice goals for like, this is how others have accomplished complex projects. So it's interesting to think about how can I apply elements of that to 
the less formalized structure that we run with for our projects, risk registers are a great example of something that is a very formal project management practice. It's a way of documenting you know, a risk or an issue on a project and ownership of that to a person with expectations about when it will be completed. Like, that's a great idea. Even if it's not something that is a mandate across every project, it's a good mentality to have towards, hey, anytime something arises, we need to make sure that it doesn't disappear into the void that someone is held accountable for resolving it. And, you know, it's tracked and monitored and communicated effectively. So you said that your company sponsored that. When did you decide to, to go for that certification? And what are some of the requirements for this certification? Are there classes? Is there an exam? Also, are there like prereqs? Like, is there some, oh, yeah. like, do you have to work a certain role for a certain amount of years? There are requirements before you can sit the exam. And there are a number of different kind of strata of uh, certifications. So there are project management associates who, um, where the requirements for it, for sitting the exam are a lot lower. It's mostly just time, um, a certain number of hours in different stages of projects um, before you can sit the exam. The exam is no joke. Um, it's been five years since I was in school and it was a struggle <laughs> to study up for that test. It, it's like a four hour exam. I did it completely virtually, which was just added a whole other layer of complexity sitting in front of my computer still for four hours. Um, with an like an online virtual proctor, but I did take a prep course. There are a handful of ones, especially in the triangle. There are lots of people who um, it's their entire job to prep people for the course. So it was like I think a three-day intensive. It, it might have been five days. It was a while ago. It was the week before we started working remotely. <laughs> so oh wow, ingrained in my memory a little bit because I wasn't in the office for those days, and then. Like the Monday that I was back at work, it was like, I think we should start taking our computers home because I'm not sure if we're going to be in the office in the following days because the situation with COVID was unfolding. Okay. So there's an optional prep course. Other than that, it's kind of, you know, having enough industry hours and then having the virtual or in-person, depending on the situation, exam with a proctor and everything. Correct. So I... I know you've been promoted several times in a very short span of time, which is awesome. Um, you were an associate engineer and then you were an R&D engineer and now you're your project management office lead. So it'd be great to hear about like what you did in those earlier roles and like how you grew and then like how you did those promotions so quickly, you know, like what, what did it take to succeed in those roles and, and how did you grow from them? And uh, what were you responsible for in them? I hope that wasn't too confusing of a question. <laughs> yeah, I guess to kind of start way back at the beginning, right after graduation, I actually had a four-month stint doing contract project management work, um, not in medical devices. So when I started my role as an engineer at Teleflex, I did come with some project management skills that you know made me a very well-suited candidate to take on a project almost from the start. So as an associate engineer, I was the technical lead for um, a new product that we were developing. I was pretty early stage, um, but I got to kind of see the project from its early stages 
all the way through. And so, especially in those early days, just being a sponge and trying to learn how projects go, picked up a lot of project management skills. So as an associate engineer, took on a lot of project management responsibilities, um, demonstrated repeated success in, you know, managing team meetings and, you know, the R&D side, but also more of the working with people side of things. Within engineering, the career progression is mostly based on experience that demonstrated repeated ability to do things the right way. And so after, I think about two years, two to three years, was promoted to R&D engineer, which is like the one step up from an associate. And from there, staying technical, the career progression would then go to maybe a senior R&D engineer. Other companies may have subsections of what R&D engineers are, whether that's new product engineer, other tangential engineering functions like process engineering, manufacturing engineering. There's a billion different prefixes that you can put in front of the word engineer, but after senior engineer, maybe there's um, more management opportunities or you stay technical and you can you know, become a senior distinguished engineer. As you get promoted each time, it's not two years in between, the spacing gets a little bit more broad um, kind of just run out of titles. You can't, if let's say you've got a 40 year career, you can't have two year jumps every time you run out of words. So I think that's something that surprised me a little bit coming out of school was just kind of how that spaces out as you, as you grow that first step from being an associate, which is the typical entry level role to that next level typically comes maybe within five years. And then after that, it generally is a lot longer in between those title promotions. My step into project management um, happened when we had another team member who's another UNC BME grad um, who actually switched roles. She switched to a different department and there was an opening for our project management office lead. It was something that I was interested in because I've always been kind of drawn to the project management side of things. And although it had only been a couple been a long enough time that I don't remember the months, but um, it had been pretty recent that I had moved into a full-time R&D engineering role. Um, it was a good fit for me, um, and I was kind of shifted over into that position. I didn't leave behind all of my R&D things. Our department kind of keeps those two very close together, so only very recently, like last year, I was still managing some projects, and I've moved away from that mostly, which has been good for my sanity because I've been layering on more and more responsibilities now that aren't technical. I, I do enjoy the technical aspects of projects, but it's been nice to more serve as a coach. I think like Ali mentioned, consulting and lending advice and less executing on it, um, which ends up being more time consuming if you're on every project. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you, you, you talked about a little bit of the career progression in Teleflex if you were doing um, technical roles. And so now that you're in this project management role, what's the progression within Teleflex from there? Like what would be the next steps? Great question. Um, so project management is slightly different than project management office governance. Um, they are integrated together, but typically within a project management tract, you can just, you can add associate to the beginning 
can go up the up the ladder like that. So associate pro, um, project manager, project manager, senior project manager. Then you may get into more strategic roles like a portfolio manager. So portfolio is just a group of projects, a program manager, which is I think best described as more of a strategic like NPD projects, those new project, new product development projects could be grouped under a program of new product development projects that all have someone shepherding them along, tracking them, making sure that they're meeting their, their metrics. Um, and then there's just, you know, further strata of leadership, people management, leadership within a business unit within the company, director of project management, that kind of thing. So based on that answer for yourself, where do you see your career going? I do try to ask myself that pretty frequently because it changes a lot. And I think if I were, you know, sitting in your shoes, I would not have ever said that I was going to be doing project management full time again, because I quite enjoy the, the very technical side of things. I think my goal for my career is less a job title and more I like to I like to have a seat at the table. There are so many different ways that I can make an impact, whether that's through project management, more on the technical side with R&D. So I'm trying to keep my eyes open a little bit and not lock myself into, you know, this is the job title that I want to have like by the time I'm 30. Cuz early in my career I think I I got a little stressed out about that. Like how do I get to X in the next five years. And what's happened in reality is something completely different than what I could have expected moving into this like project management governance role. But I get to do things that I never thought, like I didn't know that um, it was a part of how projects are run or how the company runs. So I didn't know that I might like it. Um, And so I'm glad that I you know, kept, kept my options open enough and was willing enough to take that leap and try something out that I wasn't like super familiar with. Um, so I'm trying to like kind of keep that same mindset. Hopefully it'll still be something related to engineering because I do quite like the technical side of things. I have also at various points thought that I might want to go into product management, more of the marketing side, very customer facing. I quite enjoy that too. Um, we Way back when travel was a thing, it was pretty common for engineers to go out in the field with our product managers. So those are the marketing team members to, you know, bring prototypes in front of clinicians, start up clinical studies, that kind of thing, and always really fascinated me. Um, so definitely not closing that door either, but uh, keeping keeping my eyes open. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're set up that you're kind of out of place that you can, you can choose what your next step is. You're not pigeonholed into one role, which is, is great. And I think it's really promising for, you know, undergrads, current undergrads to hear that, you know, part of the reason that uh, we started this podcast is, you know, we don't know what these roles are. So thank you for telling us a little bit about it. Uh, We have a submitted question I want to ask real quick. It is, um, since you're at a big company, what opportunities has the company offered you to build upon your skills? i.e. workshops, conferences, etc. Great question. I think that is the advantage of working for a really big company. We have a great internal talent development um, program. 
opportunities to take online courses, opportunities to, you know, do management training. Also, each department has, you know, some discretion in terms of like sending team members to conferences that make sense, that kind of thing. I think the other thing that's really interesting about Teleflex specifically is we have a really strong company culture for employee resource groups. So that's something that, again, when I was in school, I didn't really think to ask about those in interviews. So employee resource groups, I like to think of them kind of as like clubs on campus or like different organizations on campus, but campus is your company. So I'm very heavily involved in our young professionals employee resource group, and we create a lot of opportunities, both for ourselves because we want them, but then others in the company as well. And so that's been really fun, not only to connect with people outside of my little group of respiratory folks, but also take a little bit of initiative. It's not at all related to the success of my projects, but it is important to build those connections and feel good about coming to work, um, as well as mentorship opportunities and seminars, guest speakers, that kind of thing. So we kind of created ourselves and facilitate it. So I, I think it's been really nice. Small companies, they still have opportunities to do that. A lot of it's going to be external as opposed to internal. And then budgets start coming into play a little bit more. And the company culture is generally a little bit different at a smaller company than a big company, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. So I think it's an important question to ask when you're interviewing to get a sense of what is the day-to-day going to feel like? How are you going to interact with people um, on your team, but also in the break rooms or like the virtual break rooms now, teams <laughs> Another great question. I think that was a great question. Um, we have another one. So what does a normal day in your job, COVID and non-COVID look like? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you the kind of day-to-day right now, because honestly, I don't quite remember what the old normal used to feel like, for better or worse, kind of a fully, fully transitioned. So I do work remote almost 100% of the time. We do have an office in Morrisville that has a product evaluation lab. So anytime that I need to go in the office to check on samples or go look at something in the lab, I can. I don't that frequently, mostly because I'm in a lot of meetings and driving to the office either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day to sit in front of my computer and be on be in a meeting just seems like an ineffective use of my time. So generally from about 8.30 to noon and then maybe 1.30 to 5 or 6, I'm in meetings. Um, Some of those meetings are one-on-ones with the project leads. Um, I have a project meeting set up with every person in our department just to check in, see how they're doing, see how the project's doing, if there's any red flags or things that have come up. There are also kind of project meetings that um, I will be invited to kind of on a one-off basis, like, hey, there's, you know, this big milestone coming up and we want to have some extra eyes on a design review or something. I'm also pretty heavily involved in some corporate projects, rollouts of, you know, large software or changes to some of our procedures. So there are meetings um, like that where I sit in on behalf of our business unit. And then some of those fun ERG meetings, whether it's, you know, a happy hour virtually, fortunately, um, or, you know, a guest speaker is coming in. So yeah, it's kind of a mental switch off for a little bit. Don't have to be thinking or speaking or typing notes. 
I'm trying to think if there's any other like really interesting things that I do throughout the day. I'm on my computer so I can. Yeah, that's, it's a hard question. You're like, what did I do today? Like, (laughs) yeah. And it does, it changes Mm -hmm. constantly, which I like, I, I don't like sitting still for too long. So I, I like that my role allows me to kind of dip my toes in a bunch of different things, see a lot of different projects, work with a ton of different people. One thing that, you know, we kind of talked about, I think before everyone else joined is I'm on video meetings all day. It's again, part of the culture of my department is if we're in a meeting, let's see each other's faces, um, which I like because number one, it holds me accountable. I can't be like, multitasking because people see me but also there's just like body language and the subtle like facial expressions of things like people questioning it or a thumbs up so that's a big part of my day and if I if we weren't on video I think I would go crazy sitting in back-to-back meetings all day yeah I so relate to that I like need the video it actually makes me feel like I'm interacting with humans so Just real quick, thank you so much for telling us about your your role and your career progression. And I really think you broke it down really well. Yes, Erin, it was so great to see you again. And thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. The BME Grad Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For more information on the BME Grad Podcast, visit bme.unc.edu. Right now, you can find that information under the News and Events tab. If you can, please subscribe or follow and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.